0: Sorry, not Mark, John this morning. Mark was on Friday. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And let's just begin reading from verse 1. John 20 verse 1, it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it is yet dark under the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you so much that we can come together on Resurrection Sunday to remember uh, the fact that our Lord and Saviour lives. Lord, I pray that today as we come around, this passage that you would speak to our hearts, that you would refresh us uh, with these wonderful truths. Lord, may you be honoured, may you be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would empower me through the Spirit now, that you give me wisdom and guidance that only you can give. Lord, it be your words, be your thoughts, and that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, may, Lord, you be honoured and glorified. May you be lifted up and praise And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, on Friday, of course, we saw the death of our lord and savior there on the cross and we saw the fact that he was made sin for us as he hung on the cross as he suffered he became sin for us he bore the sins of all mankind and then in triumph he cried out he declared it is finished the work of salvation was complete the sacrifice had been made the redemption price was paid in full this morning now we come together to consider the wonderful truth that Christ did not stay dead. Christ didn't stay in the grave, but gloriously on the third day he rose. Again, he rose triumphant over death, triumphant over the grave. Christ declared on the cross, it is finished, and with the resurrection, God the Father declared, Amen. It was God the Father declaring it to be fact, declaring it to be so. And the resurrection proves that God's righteous demands were satisfied by Christ's death there on the cross. So this morning, as we consider the resurrection, I want us to focus on John's account of that first resurrection morning. And John's account focuses in particular here on the events surrounding one woman, Mary Magdalene. So first of all, let's consider the report of Mary. The report of Mary. Verse 1 again it says uh, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. You know John begins his account here of the resurrection by telling us of Mary Magdalene coming early on that first morning unto uh, the tomb on that first Sunday morning. Now, John only mentions here Mary coming to the tomb but we know from the other gospels that she's not alone as she comes matthew 28 verse 1 tells us that there's another woman by the name of mary with her mark tells us that with those two marys is also salome and then in luke 24 we're told that joanna and others are with them and so we get the idea there's quite a large group of women who come to the tomb on that uh, resurrection morning Uh, Quite a large group are coming and, of course, they're coming to finish the burial process, aren't they? To anoint the body of Jesus. You know, John only mentions for us here Mary. You know, that doesn't mean that, you know, he's somehow contradicting the other Gospels. Okay? Um, In verse 2, it says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we... No, not where they've laid him. Mary says, we. And so John even recalls that she wasn't alone in that little word, we, there, okay? We, we know that Mary is not alone this morning as she comes to the tomb. She's part of a larger group. But John here is focusing on the experiences of Mary. That's why he only talks about Mary. He's focusing on her experiences and what happens around her, the events surrounding her. You see, Mary and the other women, they left early in the morning while it was still dark to come and anoint the body of Jesus. And as they walked, Mark tells us that they wondered how they were going to remove the tomb, uh, the stone from the tomb. Let's just go to Mark chapter 16. Let's just turn over there. going to do a little bit of um, turning between the passages this morning. So if you want to keep your finger in Mark 16, we'll come back there. But Mark 16 at the moment, verse 3 It says, and they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Okay, so here we have uh, Mark's account, okay, and he talks about how these women are coming to the tomb and they're discussing among themselves, how are we going to get rid of the stone? How are we going to roll away the stone that's in front of the tomb? Of course, this stone is heavy, and so these women are not going to be able to remove it on their own. They're not going to be able to, to move it and to enter in and uh, put their spices upon the body of Christ as they want to. And so they're talking about this. They're wondering what the solution is going to be. And verse 4 tells us in Mark that as they approach, as the tomb comes into to view, the stone is already rolled away. It says in verse 4, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And so as they come to the tomb, they see that the, you know, the prayer has been answered in a sense. The stone is rolled away. Okay? The problem is gone. Matthew records for us how this took place. Matthew 28, let's turn over there. Matthew 28 and verse 1. In Matthew 28, verse 1, it says In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. So Matthew records for us how this all came to pass. How it is that the stone has been rolled away. Matthew tells us that there was a, an earthquake and the angel of the Lord has rolled the stone away. And this has all occurred before the women come to the tomb. This has already happened. By the time they arrive, the tomb is now open and they're shocked by what they find. Remember, this isn't what they were expecting, isn't it? As they came to the tomb that morning, they were not expecting the tomb to be wide open. They were not expecting to find the tomb in this situation. They were expecting it to be sealed shut. Instead, the tomb is wide open. Now, you can imagine the anxiety that this would have caused them. You, know, you put yourselves in their shoes coming to the tomb to anoint the body of Christ and as they approach, the tomb is wide open. The anxiety that must have come upon these women to see the stone rolled away and immediately their minds are racing, you know, with ideas, what's happened to Christ? What's happened to His body? What's taken place here? You know, someone's stolen His body or someone's desecrated His tomb. You know, Mary in particular is distraught. and so much so that she races away to tell Peter and John. Just go back to John's account, John chapter 20. John 20 and verse 2, okay, it says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. You know, Mary, we're told here, she merely runs to find Peter and John, runs back to tell the disciples what's taken place. Mary doesn't hang around to see inside the tomb. She doesn't hang around to find out more. She's convinced that something horrible is taking place. She's convinced that the body of Christ has been stolen. You know, if she'd stayed with the others at the tomb and entered in, she would have heard the blessed news that Christ is not here for he's risen. Go back to Mark 16 with me. As I said, we'll be turning between the two. Mark 16, verse 4 there, it says, And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it is very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garments. and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Being affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. And you shall see him as he said unto you. You know, Mark tells us that the other women, they enter into the tomb. And they see these two angels. They, They hear the blessed news that Christ is not here, for he is risen. But Mary in her haste, she hasn't heard these words. She's raced back to tell the disciples that the body of Christ has been stolen. She's concerned that someone has taken the body of her Lord. And so she wants help. And so Mary, in her distress, has raced off to notify the the disciples, and in particular here, Peter and John. And she comes in, and with distress, she exclaims to them that someone's taken his body. Go back to John 20 there, the end of verse 2. It says, And saith unto them, They have taken away... The Lord out of the sepulchre. And we know not where they have laid him. This is what she tells them. She comes in and she says they've taken his body, they've taken Christ, and we don't know where they've put him. We don't know where he is. You see, the reality is that Mary, like the other disciples, had forgotten the promise that Christ would rise again. Forgotten this promise. Go to Matthew 20 with me. Matthew chapter 20. We have just one of the times that he declared that he would rise. Matthew twenty, uh, verse seventeen. This is when Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the sent Gentiles to mock and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day. He shall rise again. Christ had very clearly told his disciples that he would be crucified and also that he would rise again the third day. You see, they should not have been surprised to find the tomb empty, should they? They should have been expecting it. They should have expected that his words would be true. But they weren't because they didn't believe, they didn't understand this truth. They lacked faith. And so Mary, along with the rest of the disciples, failed to understand this truth. And instead, Mary reports the worst to Peter and John, that Christ, his body has been stolen, and we know not where they've laid him. Secondly, now we see the response of Peter and John. The response of Peter and John. Go back to John chapter 20 with me, and just read from verse 3. It says, Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple came to the sepulchre so they ran both together and the other disciples did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. You see here in these verses that immediately upon hearing this distressing news from Mary, this distressing information, Peter and John, they immediately raise, rise up and they race down to the tomb to see for themselves. In verse 4, we're told they run both together and that John, okay, the other disciple, he outruns Peter. He gets there first. You know, at this stage, they, like Mary, are quite alarmed, aren't they? Like Mary, they don't understand yet the truth of the resurrection. And therefore, the news is quite alarming, and so they race to investigate. You know, when they arrive, we're told that John stops at the entrance. But Peter, in typical Peter fashion, races headlong, into the tomb to see for himself. And it's only then that John follows him inside. Read from verse uh, 4 with me again. It says, So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head lying, Uh, sorry, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. They get to the tomb, and as I said, John stops at the entrance and merely peers in, but Peter races on in. And then John follows him inside, and inside they find the grave clothes lying in their place, and the napkin that covered Christ's face lying separate. Peter and John find the grave clothes are still present within the tomb. You see, this is important because if Christ had been stolen, his body had been stolen by grave robbers, as Mary reported, then the grave clothes would be gone. The grave clothes would not have been there. They would have taken the grave clothes with the body. They're not going to take the time to unwrap his body and leave, you know, the grave with a naked body and run through the streets of Jerusalem. They're not going to do that. They're going to take the grave clothes with them. So the tomb should have been completely empty, but instead there's grave clothes. And, you know, to John, it's immediately evident what this means. Verse 8, it says, Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. And here we're told that John, when he sees the grave closed, he believes. He believes. John believes that Christ is risen from the grave. John understands. The light goes on, if you like, for John. He understands what Christ has been teaching them. He understands the the Scriptures concerning Christ. He understands Christ's resurrection. verse 9 we read, it says, For as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. The point in this verse is that up until now, they had not understood the Scriptures. They had not understood that Christ must rise from the dead. They had not understood what Christ had declared unto them. But now as John surveys the scene before him, John understands the light goes on, and he believes. You know, passages like Psalm 16 verse 10, where it says, For thou shalt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer, thine holy one, to see corruption. Passages like that now make sense to John. He understands it's talking about Christ. It takes him a whole new meaning. Now Christ's teaching on the resurrection becomes clear. Like in Matthew 12, verse 40, where Christ had said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. All these things now make sense to John. He now understands the truth and he believes. Peter, on the other hand, doesn't yet fully understand. Go over to Luke chapter 24 with me. Luke 24, verse 12. It says then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. It seems like Peter is left a little bit more confused, a little bit more complex by what's taken place. You now John has no doubt now that Christ is alive, he believes. Peter still is wondering in himself, he's still wondering what it all means. But having seen this glorious thing, the tomb is empty. Peter and John now return home. It says that in verse 10 of John 20. It says, then the disciples went away again unto their own home. They leave. They leave the sepulcher with this in their minds, with this image. They return home. And Mary now remains at the tomb grieving. Now, she still doesn't know what to make of it all. That leads us to our final point this morning. We see the revelation of Christ. The revelation of Christ. Look at me in verse 11. It says, But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. Told here that Mary now finds herself alone at the sepulchre, alone at the tomb. It seems that she's followed Peter and John back to the grave and she's arrived after they've left. And so they haven't, you know, John hasn't shared with her his conclusion, okay? And and so it seems like she's there on her own and she still doesn't know what to make of it all. She's still under the impression that someone's stolen the body of her Lord. We're told in verse 11 that she stood without the sepulcher weeping. Weeping. She's weeping uncontrollably here. She's full of grief. You see, Mary owed so much to Christ, and now she doesn't know where he is. She doesn't know where his body is. She can't finish the burial. She wanted to pay her respects. She's full of grief. Mary owed so much to Christ because Christ had freed her from demon possession. Go to Luke chapter 8 with me, Luke chapter 8 and verse 2. Luke chapter eight verse two it says in certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Here we got Mary and says that she had seven devils, seven demon, demons. She was demon possessed, and the Lord had freed her from that. The Lord had cast them out. No wonder Mary felt a sense of gratitude and that she owed something to the Lord. She owed so much to the Lord because He had freed her from this. And now as she stands at the sepulchre, she is grieved. She is weeping because not only had they put him to death, but now she can't find his body. And as Mary stands here weeping bitterly, we're told in verse 11 that she now stoops down and looks into the tomb. Verse 11 again of John 20. It says, but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. For the first time now, Mary looks inside. This is the first time we see her actually bend down and look to see for herself what's inside or what's not inside the tomb. Until now, she'd only stood at the entrance, and now she looks in and she sees two angels sitting where the body of Christ had laid. That's what verse 12, it says, and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain she sees these two angels. More likely, these are the same two angels that had met the other women earlier in the day. Go to Luke 24 just quickly. Luke 24. Luke 24 and verse 3 says, And they entered in and found not the body of Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments." And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, "Why you seek? Uh, the, why, sorry, why seek ye the living among the dead?" You know, Luke twenty-four, we're told about the angels appearing to the other women. And so it seems that these are the same two angels that Mary is now confronted by. But it's interesting, isn't it, that it seems that Mary is so grief-stricken here that she's not even fazed by the presence of two angels before her. It doesn't even break stride, if you like. Now, in Luke 24, verse 5, we're told the other women, their reaction was to be afraid, to bow down their faces to the earth. But of Mary, we're told no such thing. Instead, she's unfazed as they ask her the reason for her weeping. Verse 13, it says, And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Mary tells them, you know, the reason I'm weeping is because someone's stolen the body of the Lord. It's almost as if she has, doesn't see the relevance of two angels standing before her. You know, she's so much overcome with grief. She doesn't see the significance of this. And as they ask her why she's weeping, she still can't get past the fact that someone's stolen the body of the Lord. And now as Mary turns back, she sees Jesus standing before her. But she doesn't recognize him. Verse 14 says, And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She now turns around and she runs into the Lord himself. But she doesn't recognize him. Now, we don't know why it is that she doesn't recognize him. We're not told. Perhaps it's to do with the fact that she's so overcome with grief. You know, she's got tears in her eyes. She just doesn't recognize him. She's so overcome with grief too. She's not looking for a uh, walking and talking Christ, is she? She's looking for a dead body. This is not what she expected. But in any case, she doesn't recognize the Lord. And he asks her as well. He says, why are you weeping? And she replies the same. Verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Christ himself now asks her, Why are you so overcome with grief? What are you seeking? Who are you seeking? And Mary responds in kind. She says, You know, you've taken his body. Tell me where it is. It's following this response that Christ now calls her by name. And Mary recognises the Lord. Verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Can you imagine the joy that must have washed over Mary in that moment as she finally realised the one standing before her, the one talking to her, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The one she'd been looking for all day. But instead of being dead... He's now standing and talking to her. He's resurrected. He's alive. Now, right up until this point in the chapter, John has been focusing on how distressed, how grief-stricken Mary is. But now Mary has the wonderful privilege of being the very first to see Christ alive after his resurrection. Go to Mark 16, just quickly. Mark 16. Verse 9. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Jesus appeared unto her first. What an honor, what a privilege Mary now has. Now she spent the whole morning being full of grief, full of sorrow, thinking someone stolen the body of her Lord, and now Christ. Puts her at ease, puts her mind at ease as he meets with her. What a privilege this is. And Mary is now overtaken with joy at seeing him alive. Verse 17, it says, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. And say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father, and to my God and your God. The start of verse 17, it says, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. You know, literally in the Greek, that means cease clinging to me. Stop holding on to me. See, Mary is overcome with joy and she's wrapped her arms around the Lord. She's holding on to him. She has no intention of letting go. But Christ says to her, let me go because I've got to ascend to my Father. And instead Christ says, go and tell others. Go and tell the disciples that I'm alive. You know, Christ gives her here a command, doesn't he? A command to go and tell others to take this joyous news unto the rest of the brethren. And in verse 18, we see that Mary now obeys. It says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. You know, verse eighteen tells us that Mary does exactly as Christ instructed. She now leaves, and she runs almost for a second time, doesn't she, to the disciples? And this time, she's bearing the wonderful news that Christ is alive. You now I can imagine as Mary bursts into that room that she's overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with excitement as she tries to relay the events, tries to tell them what she's seen—the blessed news that Christ is alive. You know, Mary had been stricken by grief and now she's overcome with joy. You know, likewise for us as believers, today is a day of great rejoicing, isn't it? It's a day of great rejoicing as we remember the day that Christ rose triumphant over death and the grave. You know, our salvation is made complete because of the resurrection of Christ. First Corinthians 15, which pastor's going to preach on in the Next service, so I won't steal your of but first Corinthians fifteen tells us that if Christ is not risen, then we you know our faith is in vain. If Christ is not risen, we have no hope. Without the resu- resurrection, we would be just like every other religion, would be not serving a dead master. Praise God, we serve a risen Savior. His resurrection guarantees our salvation. It says, as I said at the start, the resurrection was God's. Amen to Christ's sacrifice there on the cross. You know, like Mary, beloved, we've been commanded to go and tell others, haven't we? We've been commanded to take these blessed news and tell everyone that Christ is alive. Go to Matthew 28 with me as we close. Matthew 28. <clears throat> Matthew 28 and verse 18. Go and tell that Christ is alive. Go and tell others what Christ has done. Share the blessed gospel message with them. Well, we're not to keep this blessed news to ourselves, are we? We're to shout it from the housetops. Let the whole world know that Christ is alive, that he is risen again. That Christ died for them. He's buried and rose again. You know, when Mary saw the Lord and recognized who he was... When she understood that He had risen from the grave, she changed from being full of sorrow to being overwhelmed with joy. And the same ought to be true for us today. as believers, we ought to be overwhelmed with joy in the knowledge that we serve our risen Savior. Beloved, praise God the grave is empty. Praise God that He's seated at the right hand of the Father and He makes intercession for us. Praise God we serve our risen Savior. Let's proclaim it to all the world. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and we Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you so much for the account of the resurrection. We thank you for the account here in John of Mary and, and her experience that first resurrection morning. Lord, I pray you would help us to respond in kind, to be overwhelmed with joy and, to, and with thanksgiving. and Help us to go and Lord, let the whole world know that we serve a risen Savior. Let the whole world know what he has done for us in dying for us upon the cross, in being buried and rising again. May, Lord, this day we rejoice and give thanks unto you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.